Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 270 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is May 6, 2013. We've got a great show for you this week on the podcast. Going to mix it up a little bit. Uh, we got Dan Weber coming up a little bit later on the show. We've got some USC football questions to get to. He's going to do his best to answer those that you have sent in. We are also have Coach Harvey Hyde, who's on secret assignment. So he was not going to be in this week. And we had a segment uh, I don't know, a few weeks back where I just did some rapid-fire Twitter questions uh, on the podcast. And I got a lot of emails, actually, people that enjoyed that segment. They were kind of shorter uh, questions, shorter answers, uh, a little more rapid-fire, and people enjoyed that. So we're going to do that here in the uh, very first segment. Now, if you have any questions or comments, we love to hear from you, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you can call us at 206-888-6755. Leave a brief voicemail there. Or you can even go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page. You can leave us a voicemail right from your computer. Again, try to keep it brief, and it's more likely to get played on the Peristyle Podcast. I do want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for anything. I know the local sports teams here in LA aren't doing all that well, uh, but we'll see. Maybe they can turn things around. The Clippers are out. Obviously, the Lakers are out. Um, Kings had a, a rough start to the playoffs uh, trying to repeat as Stanley Cup champions, but lots, still lots going on. If you need tickets for anything, you can uh, check out sctickets.com. Uh, and uh, like I said, so we don't have Coach Harvey Hyde uh, this week, secret assignment, and next week, just so you know, this is not an April Fool's joke or anything like that. Next week on the Peristyle Podcast, we will not have a Peristyle Podcast. That is because uh, my lovely wife, Jan, and I are going to be going on a trip. We are leaving the country, so we will miss uh, the podcast next week. But we'll be back the, the week after that, so no April Fool's jokes, uh, nothing along those lines as far as the podcast is going away. It's still coming back. We're just going to take a week off. It's going to be really hard. I'm going to be an international trip going to Australia, actually. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, we're not going to be able to do the podcast. But we'll have Dan Weber coming up a little bit later on in the show. And if you didn't know, we did do a Trojan Blast recruiting podcast last week with Gerard Martinez. So it's been about a month since we did one of those. Um, Gerard and I were both out at the IMG passing tournament this past weekend in Fullerton. So it's a couple weekends in a row out there checking out some of the top high school talent. So if you have any recruiting questions, you can send those in as well. And we'll try to get to them, uh, when I get back into the country. But in the meantime, you can always go to uscfootball.com, go on the peristyle, the message boards, and we'll uh, do our best to answer your questions there. Gerard and Dan are going to have to hold down the fort while I am hanging out with koala bears in Australia. Never been, so it should be a lot of fun. Hopefully, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm, my wife and I have been wanting to go for a while, so seems like a pretty good time to go. Uh, okay, as far as 
the podcast go. I actually asked uh, on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Inside Troy. Just sent out a, a quick tweet last night and then again this morning if anyone had any questions. We've got a bunch in there, so I'm going to try to kind of go through these and, and answer your questions of what's going on. Just to give you an update of where we are right now uh, in in the season. There's always a season going on. So, you know, spring football has completed. Uh, the team is doing USC summer workouts right now. Um, so about eight hours a week, players can work with strength and conditioning coaches. And uh, I believe right now they're doing workouts at like an early morning one and then an 8 a.m. and then like a 1 p.m. They split up into different groups. And then a couple days a week. So far, uh, after spring football, it's only been skill players. We haven't really seen a lot of the linemen yet, but they'll come out and do these throwing sessions. They're players-only players workouts where they're throwing the football around. Uh, the quarterbacks come out and kind of lead everything. and um, So they've been doing those. I think there's been three of them so far. We've been out at all of them. And uh, we had, actually have a question on that. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but if you go to uscfootball.com right now, well, this is, today's Monday, on the uh, front page of the website, we put up a, a very unique uh, video of Max Wittick, a, a perspective of what it looks like to play quarterback. And it's kind of fun. So it's a, uh, a drift camera that we put on a headband and put to Max's head. And he was very nice about it. There's no favoritism here. I was going to try to do put one on Cody as well. Uh, if we're able to do it again in the future, we're certainly going to do that. I put one on Max Brown, Kevon Seymour, uh, I think Chris Hawkins, a guy, even Jalen Jalen Ramsey, who didn't end up coming to USC, but those guys on the uh, in the high school circuit during like the high school all star stuff, I put cameras on those guys, and it was a lot of fun. So, but I hadn't done it at USC before, so we did that uh, last Wednesday, I believe it was, and put one on Max Wittick, and the full length video, it's about five or six minutes, is up on uscfootball.com right now. It's uh, free content. I thought people might like it. To just see what it's like to try to play quarterback. It's like a fisheye camera on the side of his head. And what he's seeing is basically what you'll see. And uh, throwing some passes and just, you know, warming up, talking to players. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. He had fun with it. So thanks, Max, for uh, for doing that for us. And hopefully, if uh, USC doesn't mind, we'll be able to put one on Cody Kessler and maybe some other guys uh, down the road as well. So make sure you check that out on uh, uscfootball.com. Um, all right, well, let's get to some of these questions. I wanted to rapid fire through these. Um, we had some for Dan I'll get to a little bit later on, and uh, maybe I'll even cross some of these over and get Dan's thoughts on, on some of these. Uh, but first, we have uh, our boy Melvin. Uh, Melvin, thanks for sending in questions. He he likes to send in questions. He he copies my regular email and podcast at uscfootball.com, so I get it twice, which is good. And I've asked him a couple of times to kind of – keep the questions uh, a little briefer and uh, maybe not as many. And this last one, there was only three numbered questions, but if you add up all the questions inside each question, it ended up being like nine questions. So Melvin, my friend, please, we're just going to ask you, just keep it a little shorter. Try to keep it on topic. Just focus it a little bit. There's always this rapid fire, a whole bunch of questions. I'm going to try to get to a bunch of them today, but let's try to like dial it in a little bit. A couple of thoughts and uh, that'd be great. You know, we, we do get a bunch of questions in here and we appreciate all of them. Just, uh, you know, the, the briefer they are, it's easier to read on the air. And, uh, you know, if we get pages and pages of questions, obviously we can't read that. It would be whole month's worth of podcast topics. But thanks again for sending the questions. Um, I'll give you the, the – I think I, I carved out about five of them from Melvin of, of the nine he sent in. 
Uh, his first one was, uh, well, the early enrollees in the defensive backfield redshirt. And that's an interesting one just because there's a lot of depth in the USC secondary right now. Uh, there's not a lot of proven depth, but there is a lot of bodies there. So I think there are a couple of guys that could be redshirt candidates. I mean, we've seen a guy like Chris Hawkins, uh, you know, run with the first team for a while and then kind of run with the third team. So I'm curious to see, you know, what happens with him. I think all of this, all the redshirt talk, if people are going to ask about redshirts, that's way TBD. Um, you, you don't know what's going to happen, not just with injuries, but just performance out there. And, and you know, if you ask Lane Kiffin, He'll tell you the same thing. I mean, they're not thinking about who's going to redshirt. And I I don't know if I don't want to say it's like a video game mentality, but like a lot of fans like to try to plan for the future. Like, well, if we redshirt him and and he goes here, it's and I don't think that's the way that coaches think about it at all. If, if a guy can come in and play now, they're not thinking about next year or the year after. I mean, if, if a guy can contribute and he's on the roster, they want him to play. So I, I, I just think that's the way that coaches mentality is. Um, I, I don't think there's any chance that Craven's red shirts unless he stays injured or, or gets injured or anything like that. Um, Liam McQuay could be, you know, I'm not really sure. Uh, it could go either way. His other question was, is McQuay a corner or safety? Uh, they start him off at corner the beginning of the winter workouts. Soon into spring, he was moved back to safety. It looks like he's going to probably stay at safety. And, you know, if you got Josh Shaw and Sual Cravens and, Gerald Bowman and guys that they they feel comfortable with at safety and they don't really need a Liam McQuay, then you know there's a possibility he's redshirt. Same thing with uh, Chris Hawkins if he's if he's going to start. I mean he's got a chance to start. If he's going to start, then no, he's not going to redshirt. If he's you know on the third string or something, then uh, I think it's more likely that he would be a redshirt candidate. Uh, he wants to know if USC is going to hire a defensive back coach. Uh, well, right now they're full, so they don't have any spots open. I mean, it would mean something like a an assistant coach leaves uh, during the summer, something along those lines. The, the longer this goes, the, I think the less likely that becomes. They put their graduate assistant resources on the defensive side of the ball, and Clancy Pendergast is coaching the DBs. I do think it would be in their best interest if they had one more, at least one more uh, defensive full-time assistant coach, but as of right now, they do not. They only have three of the total possible of nine, which is a little weird. I, I wanted to ask maybe my buddy Bruce Feldman, someone that, that covers college football nationally, if they've seen something like that before. I think that's probably fairly rare. Um, he also wanted to know about Michael Hutchins. Uh, was he recruited? He was recruited for the prior defensive coach, um, Monty Kiffin scheme. Will he fit in the new system? I think he will. I mean, I think they can play with him a little bit. I mean, he can be an inside linebacker uh, in the system. You know, if he puts on a bunch of weight and they want to make him like a rush end uh, on that five-man front, I think those are some possibilities there. I think there's a lot of these guys, I mean, just especially coming out of high school, their their bodies can change and develop. And I think they can develop these guys into uh, what they want to, to fit in these new systems. I think the guys want to do that too. I mean, you're not going to have a Deion Bailey in this system now with Clancy Pendergast weighing 205 pounds, playing inside linebacker. just not going to happen. He's moving to safety. I don't see Hutchins moving to safety or anything like that, at least inside linebacker. And, and if he puts on more weight and they want him to do that, he could be a an outside linebacker as well. And then uh, another redshirt question, you think Ty Isaac is going to redshirt? Um, so Ty Isaac, uh, five-star running back out of Illinois. There does seem to be a bit of a logjam. We actually do have a question about that. Uh, Dan Weber is going to answer 
later on a, a voicemail question about that um, coming up later on the show. Uh, but it's hard to say. I mean, if he comes in, I mean, they're definitely different kind of backs. Justin Davis has been super impressive. You know, you know, Silas Reza Sr., he's, he's got to be in the mix there somewhere. Um, they didn't really use a lot of guys last year, but certainly guys get hurt. Um, you know, if if it ends up being, you know, there's DJ Morgan, you got other guys in the mix. Buck Allen's played really well this summer. It seems like Ty Isaac coming in later, red shirt, if I had to bet, I mean, I, I would probably bet that he would red shirt, but, I, you know, it's not the term. If he comes in and I mean, he's a five star kid, if he comes in and tears it up in the fall and makes it so you can't really leave him out, uh, I think he's going to play. So I think it really depends on how he comes in there. But if I had a, to put a wager on it at this point, I would say Ty Isaac, probably going to redshirt. But we'll see. Be, I've seen him in person at some of these different camps and stuff. And, uh, you know, certainly performed well, caught the ball well out of the backfield. You get to see most of that when you're talking like seven-on-seven tournaments and stuff like that. You don't get to see um, some of the other you know, aspects you would like to see of a running back hitting the hole with pads and things like that. I mean, you can see his film. But as far as in person, because, you know, he plays in Illinois, I didn't get to see any of his high school games, just film. Um, so it'll be fun to watch, I think, when he comes out here and you see him with pads on for the first time and see what kind of blows he can deliver. Uh, you know, he's a bigger back and uh, and see what he can do. All right. Uh, our friend, here's a – so thanks, Melvin, for all those. And, again, you know, no offense, Melvin. We just want to try to keep it tight. Keep it tight. Just when you're sending a question, think about this. Keep it tight. And that's a good thing. All right. Uh, here's the – Twitter questions that I solicited last night and uh, wrote down, and I think, yeah, I think we got we got did some more this morning as well. But our friend Trinice, uh she's Trinice F underscore R O T. Um, how is USC ad- ad- addressing its ongoing cornerback dilemma? And uh, that's an interesting question. I mean, we talked about the defensive backs in Melvin's uh, questions as well. And I think they've tried different things. And I don't know. There's not a solution coming, uh, you know, in the fall. You know, they got their defensive backs. They wanted to recruit five defensive backs in this class. And as you know, kind of, I mean, Jalen Ramsey would be an amazing addition to this class. Uh, But he decided to decommit uh, from USC and uh, will not be on campus this fall. So I think he could have certainly filled in a few holes. Um, that USC has in the defensive backfield right now. But like I said, there is a lot of depth. There are a lot of bodies on scholarship. And even a guy like Ryan Dillard, who's a a walk-on that I think will get a scholarship next year after his second year in the program, is a baller. And he can play. And he makes plays out there in the the seven-on-seven workouts. And if you you haven't seen the videos, you can see these guys kind of going to work. But it's still been a concern. I know it was a concern in the spring. Um, we were watching the workout on Wednesday, and you have a uh, uh, <laughs> little Christian Tober, who's I don't know five eight or something like that, kind of torched the secondary on a couple of plays. And uh, we actually, it's on the Max Wittick video that we put up, where I, I think it was a broken coverage, and Wittick hit him over the middle, and he ran for the touchdown, and jumps up and dunks on the uh, the, <laughs> the crossbar. The goalposts, uh, little dude from uh, San Clemente High School, um, is, but his brother was a walk-on at USC too. Uh, but yeah, he came in last year as a walk-on, um, 
And, uh, yeah, when you see little walk-on receivers kind of burning the secondary, I think there's concerns there. That's the off-season workouts, and, and guys are working on different things and stuff like that. But certainly there's some concerns. And uh, we talked about it with Coach Harvey Hyde before about playing more man-to-man. And I think in the, the case of that touchdown that we talked about, I think there was just a breakdown of coverage. But they're going to try some different things. I like the more aggressive moves in the secondary. And I think the how aggressive this team is going to be up front is going to help the secondary some. There'll certainly be some plays where, where guys get burned. But you, you have to understand that these guys really weren't used to playing the ball. I mean, they weren't playing a lot of man-to-man before. And you see it in the off-season workouts, but you didn't see it in practice. So you had one spring ball of the new system. you got to go through the entire fall camp. And we'll see how these guys perform uh, coming out of that, if they can play the ball well. And balls that you're supposed to intercept at this point seem to be getting tipped. Balls that you're supposed to tip seem to be – just missing on and so I think it's just kind of down a notch you got to step that up where if you're really in the best position make the interception if if you're in good position and you can tip the ball away tip the ball away Um, and you know we haven't seen a lot of that yet but you know we'll see what happens in the fall and I do think it's still wide open I don't think they can do anything I don't don't think you're gonna we talk about moving people over but I think they have enough bodies there right now um, unless it's just everyone ends up being a disaster they're going to find a couple of guys that they like and, and get them better in the fall, and they'll roll with that and then see how it goes in the first few games of the season. Um, here's one from Mario, the real underscore Mario C. If Max Brown does not win the starting job, will he redshirt? Again, another redshirt question. Um, I think it depends on a lot of things. If if Max Brown doesn't win, um, likely to redshirt if both quarterbacks stick around, but say – you know, Cody Kessler wins the job and Max Wittick wants to transfer or vice versa. And one of those guys want to transfer, then he's the only, you know, he's the second scholarship quarterback on there. And I, th- I think at that point, Lane Kiffin would have to decide if there's some blowout games and we can get him a chance to get on the field right away and, and play and get some experience, then they probably won't redshirt him. Um They'll probably need him to be that backup quarterback and not, you know, hold him out for the whole year. So I think a lot of it depends on on what happens this fall. And we're not going to know who wins the quarterback job until this fall. So um, stay tuned for that. Should be a lot of fun. His second question was, what quarterback is best prepared to lead USC? Uh, I, you know, I, I think at this point it would be hard. I mean, you could go USC could have a successful season with all three quarterbacks. But I do think that it's going to take Max Brown a little bit longer to kind of get up to speed, but he's really done remarkably well. I mean, he's he's way ahead of, of the curve of what you would think. Um, it's hard to make up, you know, a couple years' experience like you have with Kessler and Wittick. Um, but I like both those guys. I mean, different kind of quarterbacks. It's not going to be an easy decision for uh, for Lane Kiffin at this point. But I think as far as preparation goes, I think these guys are all – Ready. If you had to start the season and you needed one of those three guys, I don't think you you could do. I mean, you could do a lot worse. Let's put it that that way. And his last one was, "Will Justin Davis make an impact in 2013?" I do think he will. Um, I mean, he's played well enough. Lane Kiffin said, not just to be the backup to Silas Red, but to start. I mean, he could be the starter. So yes, I think he's he's ready to make an impact. Uh, Patrick Hamblin. PLH55. By all accounts, Cody Kessler has been the best QB in the spring. Will Kiffin start him or settle on Wittick because of arm strength? So we just kind of talked about this a little bit. 
Um, I kind of go back and forth. I do think Kessler probably played a little bit better in the spring than Wittick, and Wittick had the injury, so that kind of set him back. Uh, I thought Kiffin before was going to name Kessler the starter. Now I think I'm leaning towards he's going to stick with Wittick, and I, I do think the arm strength thing is the big deal there. But they're going to compete again in the fall. Uh, you hopefully have a chance to see those guys in person. Uh, they allowed some of the spring practices to be open. We'll see if they do the same thing in the fall. But you can kind of – and we'll put up videos and stuff too. You can kind of decide for yourself. But I think personally I'm leaning towards I, – I think if I had to pick, I would probably pick Kessler at this point just from his performance in the in the spring. But if I had to bet which way Lane Kiffer was going to go, my bet would be uh, Max Wittick. Just my thoughts there. Uh, Elko Trojan, he's Aaron uh, – Legler, I think, won at, on Twitter. He says, have you heard anything about Scott Starr? Is he going to be back for spring practice? Well, he already missed spring, spra- <laughs> spring practice, Aaron, uh, for fall camp. I do think he's going to be back. I tried to, to get a hold of him. I haven't been able to just to try to follow up with this last night. But um, I think he's going to be back. I haven't seen him really out there, though. We saw him around doing rehab stuff in the uh, during spring practice, but I haven't seen him out there at the – uh, summer workouts yet so far. USC 805 fan, with all the positive talk about the running backs this spring, how does Ty Isaac play a role in the mix? I hear that he's going to be a good one. And uh, sorry, I, did, I forgot about that we had this other question on Ty Isaac as well. Talked about the red shirt. Yeah, no, I think he can he can be in there. But like I said, he's going to be behind behind a little bit. And as Justin Davis did so well in the spring, he's going to have to overcome that and then overcome guys that are already on the roster. And I'm really curious that the X factor to me is going to be Buck Allen. Um, he seemed to be more in the doghouse before. Uh, now you got, you know, a new running back coach. He seems to have a new lease on life for whatever reason. And we see that in the workouts. We saw that in the spring. Uh, do the coaches feel the same way? It's hard to say. I mean, you ask him and they say he's played really well. But he, it seemed like it was going to be almost impossible for him to get into a game before, even when he was playing well. Well, now he's playing extremely well, and it, I think it's going to be hard to get him out of there. So there's, I think there's guys ahead of Ty Isaac right now just because they've been around that are playing really well. Um, so it's just going to make it that much tougher. Could redshirt. You know, we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, some Twitter questions from It's SCLA at It's SCLA. No, it's a I-T-S-A-S-C-L-A. Okay. Some questions from there. What are the injury reports look like now that spring ball is over and it's been a few weeks? Okay, so there's no real – these are all unofficial workouts. There's no – we don't get to talk to Lane Kiffin afterwards. We just kind of see what we see. We let you know what's going on there. Uh, but the good news, like we talked about before, all of the injuries except for George Farmer uh, weren't serious. And they, they expected really everyone to come back. Uh, by fall camp. So George Farmer, we saw out there, he's scheduled for surgery May 16th. And he's walking around fine. He's doing prehab, which is like rehab, strengthening uh, his knee uh, before rehab. So it's kind of like doing rehab beforehand. He said it was already strong, but he's just working to get stronger and it'll help his recovery from the knee surgery. So he's going to have that May 16th. Um, so he's going to be out. So there's no question there. Uh, some of the guys are just off the top of my head. Devon Flournoy, we've seen him out at the workouts, but he hasn't worked out yet. There's not a lot of receivers right now. Farmer out, Flournoy out. Uh, we haven't seen Victor Blackwell out there. Uh, we've seen Nelson Aguilar, who's been spectacular, 
Uh, Marquis Lee is doing track stuff, so we've seen him like come out, but he's not really working out with the team while he focuses on track. And we see Stephen Mitchell, who wasn't an early enrollee, but he's he's ready to come out and and play. He's been practicing, you know, with the guys this summer and has looked uh, really good as well. Uh, let's see, Silas Red, we've seen him around, but not practicing yet. Xavier Grimble's come back and he's practiced some. Uh, we've seen Randall Telfer throw the ball, like kind of throw the ball around, but not really practice yet. We've seen Torin Harris out there. Uh, he hasn't practiced yet. So um, some of the guys are coming back that we didn't see in the spring, but not all of them yet. So they're kind of trickling back. And, uh, you know, but like we said, all of them should be back for fall camp. Um, he also wants to know when do the incoming freshmen arrive on campus if they haven't already. So I mentioned Stephen Mitchell. He's on campus now, but he's just coming with the team to practice. He's a local kid. He can come out. And, uh, and practice with the team, it's after school for him. So that's not a big deal there. But guys like Ty Isaac can't come out there because they live in Illinois. So usually guys start coming in in June. There's only six. So only six uh, freshmen that haven't been on campus yet that will be coming. They'll be coming this fall. I mean, uh, this this summer, uh, usually in June. It's uh, The players usually graduate high school, and then they take care of business around their high school, and then they come out to USC and they can enroll in summer classes and all that. So usually June is the time frame when you start to see these guys that weren't early enrollees start to arrive. Uh, at Craig Law wants to know, do the spring uh, do the spring player only practices help or hurt? Without the coaches, isn't it a, isn't it a risk that the players could practice bad techniques? Um, I think they help and I think it helps with timing uh, Craig, there's it, it gives these guys a, a chance to work, especially with the new players coming in. And it's it's hard if you you know Stephen Mitchell needs to be told what to do, where to go on the different routes. They're calling a play. He doesn't really know that stuff yet. He hasn't been on campus, but they're helping him out, kind of giving him a leg up on the workouts and what they're going to do in the playbook and all of that. So I think it helps the the new guys when they're coming in. Um, a guy like Max Brown, any more reps, I think it helps them. Guys on defense, I think they're trying to play more man-to-man. I think it helps them. And, th- you know, they get scripts. Uh, you know, they can go over with the coaches or uh, in meetings and things like that of, of things you want to accomplish at these workouts. So I think it's the the leader's job, like the quarterbacks or, or Josh Shaw in the secondary or Devon Kennard on defense. Um, I think it's their job to make sure you're practicing – the right stuff. And, uh, you know, you want to have fun. These workouts are fun for the guys. But it's also you're trying to get stuff done, too. I mean, you're not out there wasting time. You're out there trying to get better. So uh, I think the you know, coaches can't be there. They can't watch. Uh, but I think in meetings, you can kind of let them know what's going on and what they want. We didn't see in the winter, uh, which would be after the bowl game, they didn't do a lot of these workouts. And it started off really slow. And I think part of it has to do with Matt Barkley left, the leaders left, T.J. McDonald left, and you have new coaches. You're not really sure what you want to do. But they actually got in the summer workouts, which we call these summer workouts even though it's spring, after spring football, they got on those earlier than you normally would. Usually they wait till after graduation, but they started right away. Um, so I think at that point they knew the plan. They knew what they wanted to accomplish. So – they got out there and started working right away. So I the, the winter workouts were a little disorganized because new coaches, the leaders are gone. The people that normally run those practices were gone. Now you got 
uh, people kind of know what's going on now, and they're out there uh, getting in work. So I think it's—I definitely think it's a good thing. I don't think it hurts. Um, Mr. Warhop, it's at Mr. Warhop uh, on Twitter in the—it's uh, in the sprint of track season. Oh, I'm sorry, spirit in this. There's a little typo there. In the spirit of track season, who do you think are the top three to five fastest guys on the team? Uh, interesting. I'll, I'm going to leave this for Dan a little bit too. We can talk about it. Um, it's really hard to say. Uh, people said that Buck Allen had one of the fastest times. Uh, he definitely looks fast out there. I mean, George Farmer, I think, is a fast guy. The guys that run track, like, um, I don't know if DJ Morgan is as fast as he used to be. Um, you know, Marquis Lee is super fast. I think you got some guys in the secondary, like Liam McQuay, that, you know, we haven't seen a ton of yet, but they're all fast. But let's, I'm going to save that one for Dan. We'll have, uh, I'll get, I'll, it'd be interesting to get Dan's thoughts on that. And then one last one, uh, Dave P underscore video man wants to know about a pass player. He says, what is Matt Grudegood doing these days? That guy was a stud. Yeah. At a modern day high school kind of helped, uh, usher in the Pete Carroll era. He says, oh, thanks and keep up the great podcast. Oh, thank you. Uh, Dave P underscore video man. Um, so Matt Grudegood did play, uh, the last football he played was in the Canadian Football League. I believe that ended in 2009. Uh, but as of last year, and I'm, I don't know after the football season, but last football season, he was the linebacker coach at Orange Coast College. So I've talked to him in a long time. Um, actually, friends with him on Facebook, but he, I don't think he's updated his status or anything in a long time. Still says he lives in Canada, which he does not. Um so, yeah, so that's kind of the latest with him. He was coaching linebackers at Orange Coast College back in Orange County. I don't know if he's staying on that job or if he's moved on to anything else, but that's the latest I heard from him. All right, well, that was our rapid-fire question. Hopefully it was rapid-fire enough, and I know some people enjoyed the segment last time. Hope you did again. We're going to take a 30-second timeout and come right back with USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Weber. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We are back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Got Dan Weber joining us, uscfootball.com. Beat writer. What's going on, Dan? How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Seeing if we can avoid the rain and maybe... Maybe uh, see some uh, throwing uh, today. We're hoping. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that's. Uh, it's been fun. I mean, what did you think about the? We had a question. I did some Twitter questions, and someone asked if uh, if you thought they were worthwhile. If it, you know, if, if guys could get in bad habits and things like that. I mean, I think they're they're definitely worthwhile. What do you think about these summer workouts we've been checking out? Well, I think they're really worthwhile this year because uh, you got three new quarterbacks, and you got uh, you got people signaling the plays in some days. Uh, you got them calling plays in really specific plays. 
for a kid like Stephen Mitchell, it's like he's been there, you know, for a year now. Uh, they've thrown so many balls to him. Uh, it's really given, I think, Mitchell and Aguilar a chance to, you know, kind of take over a little bit in the absence of, of some of the other uh, other guys. Uh, I think it's given the three quarterbacks a ton of throwing, uh, which I think is good. It's given the, the you know, the three uh, walk-on wide receivers who really are, you know, important to this, you know, this team, this program, a chance to just keep making plays. And I think, you know, it really solidifies, um, you know, their place on, on the roster. I think it's, uh, it's really allowed the linebackers, guys like Morgan Breslin, Devon Kennard, who are going to be playing a lot more um, pass coverage this year, uh, a chance to run pass coverage or, you know, they, they, they'll make their call on defense. And for example, you know whether they're, you know, whether they get a rush responsibility or a, a drop-off responsibility. Um, it's just a, a lot of repetition. I mean, they get to do a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of play calls. And it, it looks to me like, even with the probably the numbers down a little bit, they're way ahead of where they've been, just because of the way they're they're approaching it. And obviously, they started sooner and uh, took, you know, less time off after spring. So, uh, so I think they've been really worthwhile. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm real. The, the way they've gone about it this year, I think I, I really like uh, like the way it's working. For the, uh, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been the same way with say if Matt Barkley was back, you know, for a senior year or something like that last year. The way, uh, you know, when you have a four-year starter, uh, and it, but but with three three basically three guys getting their first real shot to be the guy, I think it's working great. Yeah, you know, we haven't seen, we've seen the skill guys, we haven't seen the linemen come in yet, um, and they might have a little break with, uh, you know, graduation coming up in the end of the, you know, semester, so they might take some time off, we're not really sure, um, and maybe we'll yeah, see we some haven't, I, We haven't gotten that schedule, but, but what we have, we do know is they're farther ahead, I mean, they weren't doing this in previous years, this, this was time right. off. And so, for them to, you know, to pick up kind of the summer throwing in the spring before, you know, the end of the semester, that's something they hadn't done. And so good for the players, uh, I think, at this point. And uh, you know it's beneficial for the quarterbacks. Well, you know who else it's beneficial for? It's just more and more reps for the uh, the DBs. And, guys, you know, they, uh, they love, you know, they need it and they love it. And it's really important. Uh, I think it's uh, – it, it, you know, it's a great opportunity, you know, for everybody that's out there. I think it, it's it's really a good thing. All right. Uh, we had one other question that I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on, share your thoughts from Mr. Warhop. Um, he wanted to know who the top three, three to five fastest guys on the team were, what you thought. Hmm. That's um, tough. It's hard to say, you know. Yeah. It is. They they run different ways in different you know places, and they don't emphasize you know the the you know the forty all that much. You know, if you'd have said you know before he got hurt, is George Farmer you know the fastest guy uh, after the forty probably? Uh, you know, from forty on uh, for the forty, you know, do you, are you getting a D, you know a healthy DJ Morgan? Uh, you know, Ryan Anderson always you know, is right in there. Buck Allen is in there. Uh, but, 
And then we, there was a match race, you know, we would always say Nelson Aguilar kind of, you know, close to being in there. And we saw Kevin, you know, Seymour kind of, whether that was a legitimate, uh, you know, match race or whatever, but kind of got to jump on him at the very end. So, uh, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I don't think we, you know, I don't think it's the same answer every day. I guess the, the question is, do we have enough guys that can run? Uh, and, uh, you know, that's the thing you'd like to see is through the entire roster, you know, guys running. You know, both defensive, you know, ends or outside linebackers. You want to see them, uh, you know, Devon and Morgan Breslin being able to run. You want to see, you know, Jabari Ruffin out there able to run, all of them who, who can run. Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's more important than just, uh, you know, who would win a, a match race is, is, you know, who's got, you know, who's got football speed. And who can play at that kind of top uh, that top speed? Uh, you know, play really fast. And uh, I think I think there's enough speed here. Uh, you know, will there ever be you know Reggie Bush speed at you know at this point? Uh, probably not. But uh, you know, Reggie was uh, once in a once in a decade. Maybe Taylor May, uh, and, and probably not going to have you know a guy that's going to get under four three. Uh, on this uh, on this roster, but, uh, but but pretty decent speed. Uh, you know, overall, if everybody's healthy, you know, some of the speed guys aren't healthy. Uh, you know, where Marquise Lee, you know, fits in that, I don't think we've ever seen him really where he would, you know, be in a situation where you see him, you know, run all out against uh, against uh, you know somebody. Nobody ever seems to catch him. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, this is a very good question. You know, I, I think they have a lot of guys who are in that, you know, who could be in the four four, you know, say sub four five guys on their really good days, on their, you know, on their best days. That um, that having an absolute burner, probably, uh, and a burner, I mean, you know, with the famous quote elite speed uh, <laughs> that we hear, you know, referred to. Uh, you'd have to have, you know, you know, George on his really, really best day, his healthiest day, um, and uh, and still his speed tends to kick in after that, you know, first forty. Um, all right. Well, hopefully that that helped you. That give our yeah, thoughts. I, mean, there. I, I don't yeah. know that you know you'd ask the coaches. I don't know that anybody has even asked the players. When we would ask the players, you get a lot of different answers. You do, in yeah. In their own minds, they would give you. <laughs> You know, so it's not one of those really clear-cut things. And I don't think they emphasize, you know, where you just put it all on the line and, and you know, take a chance of, you know, pulling a hamstring or something like that. Uh, you know, I, I think that they've been fairly sensible, you know, in terms of, of uh, you know, going after the, you know, the 40s and that and, you know, maybe doing them once. And if you're something, you got some kind of an issue, uh, not even doing them, you know, that kind of thing, so. It's not. It's not a big point of emphasis. Uh, okay, let's go to a question. I, oh, I didn't write down who sent this. Sorry about that. But he said, "What are the reasons for USC not to use the no huddle offense twenty-five plus percent of the time, as many of the better NFL offenses do?" What do you think, Dan? I don't think that's a good question because right? I think the stats showed that. Matt Barkley was pretty good in the no huddle. I mean, Matt Barkley liked the no huddle. I think that's one of the, you know, when you read the more things you're reading out of Philadelphia, uh, it's the thing that 
you know, Chip Kelly likes a lot about Matt uh, is his ability to, you know, think on his feet and, and uh, you know, call plays at the line of scrimmage and react and, and what have you. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I know last year the theory was, uh, you know, go slow, don't run him any plays, you know, take it easy, maybe we won't get anybody hurt. Um, and so USC ran, uh, you know, fewest plays or tied with the fewest plays per game of any, you know, the 12 teams in the Pac-12. And and it's one of the reasons there weren't enough football to go around. Uh, you know, you had, once you threw the ball to Marquise, that was, you know, there wasn't, there were really maybe not quite as many as you'd like to have for uh, Robert and other things, you know, that you needed to get done. And it, it didn't seem to be, to have any urgency about getting off the next play. And, uh, didn't put a lot of pressure on teams. It certainly gave teams a chance to, you know, get get lined up and go. I mean, you look at the Oregon game, for example, where 51 points were scored, and it was obvious that game was going to have to go fast because they couldn't stop Oregon, and, they, you know, they kept getting the ball back, and they had to score. And um, they responded. Uh, I thought it was a missed opportunity. I'd like to see them do that more. I think the more times, you, you know, the, you put the ball in play, I mean, it's like, you know, in some ways it's like tennis match. One of the reasons you don't have as many upsets in, in, in tennis um, is that um, uh, the more times the ball is put in play, which is a whole lot, the better guy tends to win. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you see the same guys in the, you know, grand slams. It's not, they don't have long shots. Now, in golf, not as many shots in a golf round. One or two bad shots can really influence things, or one or two lucky shots can make a play. In a football game, it, it always seemed to me that uh, the more times you put the ball in play, the better team had a chance, had more of a chance to win, win football games, the teams with better personnel. It just seemed like slowing games down kept the other, you know, it kept a, an Arizona that wanted to speed things up uh, a chance at the end. Uh, you know, it gave people chances. At, at the end, that maybe they wouldn't have had if you would have, you know, run more plays and made them play defense more. Uh, so I didn't get it, but uh, then neither did any of the players, <laughs> as we found out when they after the Washington game, and they were six and one. But after the Washington game, it became clear Trojans were going to play uh, slow down offense, and um, that really puzzled. Uh, you know, Barkley, Woods, Lee, it was like that was a game where they were up 24-14 at the half and basically put the ball in the hopper. Yeah, the held, on, half. held on to win. <laughs> and the players just said, what are we doing here? And that was, you know, that was kind of the high watermark, too. I mean, once that kind of realization sank, you know, it, and obviously they were starting to, you know, play the, the meat of the schedule then. But, uh, uh I don't disagree. I, I'd like to see them play as fast as they can on offense. And uh, if they want to no-huddle it for a while, I think I think that's a great thing to do. Um, yeah, I used the analogy I had a couple of weeks ago where it's like a if you're a poker player and you're a professional poker player playing against an amateur, if you're playing 10 hands, I mean, the amateur has a way better chance because you're, there's so much luck involved in 10 hands. But if you play 1,000 hands, the professional poker player's got a way better chance. So, I mean, so in USC's case, when you have better athletes, the more plays you run, you should have a statistical advantage. So I can see what people are saying. They want to see more plays run. And I'm curious, Dan, if they if they do that this year. Uh, 
I don't know. That's a good question. I I mean, I think they 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 certainly are doing uh, things like oh the little things, you know, getting to the line of scrimmage quicker. Just uh, you know, instead of kind of lumbering up there, but uh, actually, you know, moving it on. I think maybe uh, you know it'll be be dependent somewhat on the quarterback, uh, but uh, um, I'd be surprised if they didn't learn some lessons from last year and uh, and realize, you know, make them defend. If you've got, you know, but, you know, they had two tight ends that they didn't make anybody defend last year. But if you've got some weapons, you know, if you've got, you know, two and three wide receivers, make people defend two and three wide receivers. It worked, you know, in 2011 when they had to defend both, both Marquise and, and Robert, and you couldn't. I mean, and then, you know, USC kind of took – one of their wide receivers out of the equation took their tight ends out of the equation. Now you can say, well, that was because they had to have everybody block or they couldn't run the ball and everybody knew it. You know, that's just, those are excuses as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you know, figure it out, figure out what you have to do to let your players make plays. And then at practice every day, figure out how to do that. And uh, it was just such a, a disaster in terms of, the concepts and the coaching uh, that by the end of the year, you know, teams didn't have to defend very much. Yeah. Um, heck, I mean, Georgia Tech might have been able to hold them to a touchdown without, <laughs> you know, without putting their defense on the field. I'm not sure, if, you know, <laughs> on a dummy, if USC would have run a dummy offense uh, against Georgia Tech, um, it would have, you know, had, had any success. Well, speaking yeah, that was a tough. That was a tough win they were going in. Yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, well, speaking of of offensive schemes, we did have a voicemail question, um, and this is you know, we've been talking about the passing game a lot. This is talking about a different aspect of the offense, but I'll I'll play the question for you right now. Hi, Ryan. This is Al from um, Los Angeles. Uh, I went to the spring game, saw Dan, but uh, couldn't remember his name when he stepped in front of me. And I saw you as well taking pictures on the sideline. Uh, my question is, um, I see that we have uh, a, an, an overflow of running backs. Um, and I see we're looking at uh, Mixon as far as recruiting. Uh, if we're not running the ball, why are we warehousing all of these running backs? And when, when is someone going to speak to uh, Lane Kiffin about getting this football in the hands of running backs and, and, and less in the hands of receivers because you have to form a, a running game before you can start a, a throwing game. Um, that's my question. Fine on. Well, Al, it's a, you know, it's the question. It, it's the exactly right question. Uh, you, uh, and it was one of the encouraging things, I think, about Lane coming in, uh, uh, Oakland improved its running game when Lane was there. Tennessee really improved its running game, settled on one guy, ran the heck out of the ball the one year he was there. And, uh, you know, you had the sense that uh, uh, this is he's going to be able to do this. And there were games, you know, and, and where, where it looked like that happened. But, you know, there, there were just a, a lot of games where you just didn't know what – what's you what's USC really trying to do and did they you know last year did they just give up on the fact that you know did they watch the Hawaii game like we did and then the Syracuse game and say hmm you know what anytime we really have to run the ball and teams really kind of 
know that we might have to run the ball. We aren't going to be able to run the ball, so let's don't try to really run the ball. Then I think if you're going to make that decision, then you have to gut it out, and you've got to act like we're no longer that team. We're no longer the team that can run the ball and throw play action, force you to defend the run. If you're going to do that, go shotgun, go three and four wide receivers, and just throw the heck out of the ball. Yes, he kind of settled for the worst of both worlds, uh, kind of admitting to people we really can't run the ball. We really can't make you respect the run, as Lane said uh, in the spring. He said, you know, we couldn't, you know, there was nothing we could do to get teams uh, to respect the run. So they basically took, took, the, uh, took the pass away. And USC couldn't, even when teams were, were not even trying to stop the run, USC couldn't run it. Now that's, that's just awful. I mean, that's, just, that's just unacceptable at USC uh, that you, you can't take the run when teams are, when teams are giving you the run. I mean, <laughs> USC, I mean how, how is that possible that you've gone, you know, so far the wrong way that uh, they're trying to give you the run, you can't take it. So, yeah, I agree with you completely. Uh, you got all these running backs. Uh, you got you got to have an offensive line, you know, to go with them, and you got to really make people respect the run. If USC is physical enough and is able to make people respect the run, they will throw the heck out of the ball. It's that simple. Uh, so. I mean, it's not. This is not again, not rocket science. This is uh, pretty, pretty basic stuff. So we'll see. I mean, you didn't at the spring game. You didn't get to see anything because when they decided not to really tackle for that game, you really can't run the ball the same way. Um, it's more like you know, they call it thud tackling, where you're just stopping a guy. But basically, the officials kind of you know uh, play it safe and. You don't get a really good read on the on the run game, so they you know they basically you know threw the ball, got to see uh, the uh, defensive backs uh, under a lot of pressure, uh, but uh, you know they got to answer that question now. If Al, your question, they have to answer it. I think every day, uh, you know, can we run the ball? How do we how do we run the ball? And then everything else works. Uh, if they can run the ball. They can be a very good football team. But then they could have been a good football team last year if they could have run them all. It's just really that simple. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Martin in Ontario, California, he's got a few questions here. We're going to finish off with those. First one's kind of interesting. Um, what is your opinion on the Pac-12 compared to the rest of the conferences as far as offensive and defensive diversity? seems like the Pac-12 now has a full range of different offensive and defensive schemes and packages compared to other conferences, different versions of the spread option schemes, wide open spread passing teams, power running and pro sets and offense and five, two, three, four, four, three defensive schemes. Oh, no question. Uh, I still, you know, I've said this before a couple of times, but I thought it was so interesting when they were previewing the ball games and they, on ESPN and whoever it was, Pollock or one of those SEC guys was saying, how difficult it was to guess what Georgia was going to do against Nebraska because they Nebraska had an athletic, active, run-pass uh, quarterback, and uh, Georgia had never seen one of those. They played 13 games through the SEC, hadn't played a single uh, run-pass you know quarterback 
And I was thinking at that time, USC had already played five of them. And uh, it's a whole lot different. I mean, I think it's one of the, you know, really valuable uh, reasons that they've gotten, you know, a Clancy, Clancy Pendergast with that kind of pedigree and three years in the Pac-12 uh, to prepare you for it. I think it's a it's a tough deal. I think I mean, Alabama saw one until the uh, Notre Dame game, and I'm not sure as barely uh, prepared as Notre Dame looked for that game. Um, they had seen one, uh, you know, uh, run pass option guy, sort of, you know, Johnny Manziel, and he beat him in Tuscaloosa. So uh, it's not – it's a big difference in the Pac-12. It's a giant – it's just a gigantic big difference. And uh, uh, you have to be ready to play a lot of different – you know, and, you know, even the teams that run spreads run different kinds of spreads and, you know, unique, uh, uh, you know, approaches to the spread. So, and then you've got probably the best outside of Alabama, the best power physical football program in the country in Stanford. So you really, uh, you've got to be ready to play a lot of different ways. And uh, that's pretty cool. And as long as you're not the defensive coordinator, <laughs> it's a uh, Pac-12 challenging more, more good quarterbacks, I think, without a doubt. Probably more good wide receivers. And almost out of necessity, a lot of good defensive backs. I'm not sure they always get credit for it because you can get torched, I think, more easily in the Pac-12 than you can in, you know, some places. I mean, you see the SEC with so many great, you know, defenders. But one of the things you notice is, they don't have as many good quarterbacks and receivers maybe to defend against all the time. Yeah, it's good points there. Um, we'll see this season. It could, it's going to be even more diverse in the Pac-12. We'll see where you, how USC does with the new scheme and all that. It should be interesting. Um, yeah, maybe uh, USC will be one of those real diverse teams too. <laughs> <laughs> Tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> all right. Uh, he I had don't a couple- know. What? Yeah, it could be. I mean, I think there's certainly a chance. Um, I think, for example, Cody Kessler in the game, just by definition of, of what he can do, makes USC a little more diverse in terms of the run pass. Yeah. The ability. And they, I think they clearly are emphasizing that more with the quarterbacks, no matter who the quarterback is. When you watch them, uh, and I uh, hope we're not giving away any secrets, but it's obvious <laughs> That they're encouraging, you know, Max, the two Maxes as well, uh, to take off with it in ways in which you really didn't see Barkley do that. Yeah, we didn't see Almost much of ever. that at all. Right, and I, we, if you look at that video, you can see Max Wittick take off and run one. So uh, check out uscfootball.com. You can see a little bit of that in action. Um, he had two more quick ones, and I'm not sure if you know the answers to these, but we just maybe we can talk about them for a minute. Uh, what's the status with the USC and the Coliseum and the master lease over there? That's a good question. I know it got held up, and I'm trying to remember what was the last holdup. Uh, there was a holdup. Ah. Something political, something dumb, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know. The no major council, news. You know, with council people wanting, you know, hands out, <laughs> hoping for, you know, something or other. I don't know. Were they, you know, three more parking spaces? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, but um, nothing's easy. I mean, you know, you got to. You, one would think USC probably is, is the biggest private employer in the you know city of LA as the driving force behind the Figueroa Corridor, which is probably the greatest uh, uh, private 
development of a you know in an urban area in America in the last uh, quarter of a century. Uh, you would think you know be a little more deference to you know USC's uh, wishes and USC. I mean, let's face it. Where will the Coliseum be better off? You know, will it look better if USC's in charge and taking care of it? I mean, or will it look better if that you know city, county, whatever cooperative uh, commission is in charge of it? I mean, look at you know look at the USC campus and then look at the Coliseum and make make a decision for yourself. Which way <laughs> is better for it to go? I mean, it's just like it's so obvious, and yet you've got people there saying, you know, take care of me, take care of my interests, take care of this, take care of that right. first, and then uh, then we'll decide what's best for you know L.A. and the Coliseum. And then one last one. I didn't know if you heard anything on the the new Village Center and the L.A. City Council between USC. They're kind of going back and forth there. If you've heard anything on that that front. Well, I thought that one got I thought that one got cleared up. You know, I think it was like a. <laughs> <laughs> like a ten million dollar payment, and uh, everything's okay now. That's what <laughs> Someone I. Someone needed know, to get paid. Yeah. I mean, there there were, you know, those were the last hurdles. But I think that one is, is that, that's ready to go. You know, they had to, uh, they had to come through, uh, with some, you know, guarantees of of different things. So they don't make it easy for you to no. uh, improve LA <laughs> uh, over their dead bodies. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Dad. Okay. Well, good stuff. We appreciate you coming on. And like I let everyone know, we will not have a show next week. I'll be out of the country, but uh, we'll be back the the following week. I'll be back, and uh, we'll get Coach Hyde and Dan to come on again. So send in your questions, and when I get back, I'll try to go through them all, and we'll uh, we'll go through it again in uh, two weeks. You've been listening to the Pear Style Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Pear Style Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.